Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Well, good Saturday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service. Scott Mosby taking a little time off. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair. But guess what? You know I can't answer any questions. That's why we got Josh Dunlap in. He's a home consultant with Mosby Building Arts, and he's been uh, kind enough to join us here on the Home Improvement Show. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank doing, you. How, this, is this your first time coming this in? This is my first time coming in, yes. All right. Just just talk about that far. From the, you can pull that. There you go. That's much better. Well, we can hear you much better. So home consultant for Mosby Building Arts. Uh, what do you specialize in at, at, at uh, Mosby? I specialize in pretty much anything having to do with an existing home, just like we, uh, everything else at Mosby. I've got a long experience in home remodeling. I've been doing this for about 25 years. I started with my dad's company and uh, from there learned a lot and over the years uh, accentuated my knowledge through all the, the experts and other people that I've worked with and, and recently just came to work for Scott Oh, fantastic. So so you're the guy that when somebody has a problem and says, hey, I'd really like to find out more information about this, can you come out to my house? You're the guy that comes out there. I am the, definitely that guy that comes out. Yeah. All right. Well, perfect, because I've got a long list of questions to ask you about Casa Damon. So we're going to we're gonna hit this off right today, all right? Good deal. All right. Fantastic. Folks, this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. You want to join us, we would love to have you. Here is the numbers, 314-436-7900. Or 1-800-925-1120. Those are the numbers you want to get on. Plenty of time today for open phone lines. We're going all the way till 1 o'clock today. So plenty of time for you to get your questions in. Josh is ready. He's able. He's willing. He's ready to go to answer all your questions. Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's take a quick time out and we come back. More conversation. Saturday at your service, the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on KMOX. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, my friends. The Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. 11-12 is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. Hey, if you want to join us, we would love to talk to you. Here's the phone numbers, 314-436-7900. Or 1-800-925-1120. Josh Dunlop in from Mosley Building Arts. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair answering your calls. Again, the number is 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Hey, Josh, uh, again, thanks for coming down and hanging out with us today here on the program. But obviously, you know, we've had a lot of rain here in the past uh, several days and more expected down there. This is fall, obviously. Leaves all over the place. Probably now is a good time to make sure you take a look at your roof and make sure your gutters are cleaned out. Absolutely. Uh, with the weather and the, the leaves coming down, the gutters are definitely going to be looking at getting some filled up. Even if you have gutter screens, it's always a good good idea to have someone get up there and take a look just to make sure things are clear because uh, you definitely don't want to get freezing weather and have ice get in there because the, the heavy water and the ice can damage the gutters at some point, and you don't want to be replacing the gutters in the middle of the winter. And I guess that also can build up an ice dam up underneath your shingles, and then now we're talking, you know. Major dollars. That's right. Definitely. Exactly. Yep. Uh, keeping your roof and, and gutters in good good repair is a, an easy and simple way to keep the cost at bay. I know here at uh, Casa Damon we have, uh, you know, when it rains, we have like two rivers on each side of our house, it seems like, because we live on, towards the bottom of a hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we always want to make sure that we keep, the drains and everything else we have uh, you know our, our uh, gutter drains go underground 
And uh, so I always make sure that we always make sure we can still drain out of it because I'm always worried about that uh, convoluted tubing plugging up down there underneath the ground. Oh, definitely. If if your downspouts discharge onto a splash block, uh, that 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 works. Just ideally, you want to have a little bit of a grade away from the house, and so that water runs away from the house as, as quickly as possible. Uh, surface water, ideally, you want to conduct about ten feet away from the house, uh, and then from there you can kind of let it go to daylight or some other underground piping. Uh, but anything you can see where water's coming out, you definitely want to put some eyeballs on and see that it's running clear and, and any sticks and maybe some guests have moved in <laughs> in the drier period. Uh, just make sure that's clear and, and kind of ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you, speaking of guests moved in, well, you know, now that was definitely a time for uh, outside stuff to try to come inside where it's kind of warm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, my own house, I've, I've, uh, the spiders are starting to make their move. Right. <laughs> those, those pesky little, uh, uh, stink bugs are, I can see them. Man, the stink the bugs are everywhere. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, they're, they're looking for warm and, and, and dry. And that's usually the insides of our own houses that they're trying to get after. So. Yes, absolutely. Plenty of talked about today here on the KMOX uh, Home Improvement Show. 314-436-7900. 1-800-925-1120. Josh, you ready to take some phone calls? I'm ready to take some phone calls. All right, let's talk to Sam. Sam, guess what? You got the poll position today here on the Helotech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Hello, Sam. Hello. Yeah, I'm remodeling my kitchen, and uh, I'm going to be putting in a small closet, but the main flue of the house is in the way, so I was wondering if there's a way I could put an elbow into it maybe and go back about 10 inches and then go back up and then tie into the top part of it. I wonder what your opinion is on doing something like that. Uh, My opinion is possibly. Uh, I would definitely reach out to a mechanic if you have one uh, or an HVAC tech to take a look at that because uh, some flues are installed from the bottom up to where they, they twist locked together. Uh, with, it's commonly called a B-vent. And you may have to take it apart from the top down to put it back together. It's not just like regular ductwork, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it, he could, they'll be able to tell you for sure if you can put an elbow in there and offset it a little bit. Um, something else to consider would be is if you are looking at uh, replacing your he- heating and cooling system or your furnace at some point, maybe even getting the flue gone altogether. Uh, High-efficiency appliances can be vented out the sidewall of the house through a PVC flue, and then you can get that metal f- flue that runs through the middle of your house just out of your way. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the phone call. Let's move on. How about we talk to Bob? Hey, Bob, guess what? You're up next on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Great. Hi, Bob. Hey. Go ahead, Bob. You have a question? Yeah. Um, tying along with the, uh, I've got two questions. Uh, tying along with the guy that just uh, was on there about the flu, we have a, the, the flu up from the, the water heater coming through the middle of the house. Is it possible to... Uh, put in a, a tankless water heater and and take it out to the side and then use that extra space in the middle of the house to put in a, a larger, uh, like a, a tub or a walk-in shower? Generally, I'd say yes. Uh, if you can get that flue out the sidewall of the house by using a high-efficiency appliance, what, you know, tankless storage type or any other kind of water heater, there's going to be options uh, for those high-efficiency ones. And and you just got to look at the top of the of the water heater. If it's got a plastic, white plastic flue on it, 
those can go out the sidewall of the house. And then when you don't need the flue running up the middle of the house anymore, you can use that space for whatever you like. It's, it's uh, great. Yeah. Okay. My, my original question is, uh, I've got a breaker. Uh, the house is built in 92 and it has aluminum wiring in it. Uh, some of them have been changed out, but, but anyway, uh, one breaker seems to start acting up and it's, um, it's a dual, uh, C-O-A-L breaker. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to find out, I'm having a hard time finding a replacement for that. Do they, do they make replacement breakers? It's a 20 amp, uh, a single pole, but it's a double breaker. Do they make, make those or is there a, a way to, you know, circumvent that, you know, like a, a pig, uh, a pigtail on it? There are there's definitely many options. I would recommend that you replace a breaker with a breaker. Uh, generally, okay. when the panels close, there's there's a nameplate somewhere where there's Cutler Hammer right. or Murray or Square D. Uh, that's yeah. going to help you uh, kind of find that the, the correct breaker. When you open okay. up the panel and you look at the breakers themselves, there's lots of little tiny writing on there. Uh, right. you, you should see relatively the same writing on each breaker. Regardless of the manufacturer, because Murray can make breakers that will fit in a square D panel and Cutler Hammer and vice versa. Right, there's, right. There's, there's some interchangeability. So if you mm-hmm. go out to Lowe's, Home Depot, or a big box store, or even walk over to Metro uh, and, and, and say, hey, you put, the, put it in their hand and say, I need a breaker like this, they can probably go in the back, find the one you need, and just give you a direct replacement. That's what I'd recommend before you start okay. getting into trying to rewire a panel. Okay, good. That's uh, that's what um, that's what I'm trying to do right now. I um, at Lowe's, so I'm going to see because it's a Sylvania, and I was going to see if I if uh, if I have to keep replacing it sooner or later. They're going to give up on them. I guess yeah, you, de- you definitely want to get that replaced because uh, a non-functioning breaker is a dangerous breaker. Um, right. But, okay. Uh, if you strike out at the box stores, I'd, I'd uh, seek out Metro. Uh, they have great okay. customer service over there, and they can get hold of stuff that maybe even isn't readily available anymore. Okay. Thanks so much. Good deal. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate the phone call. That's a that's a real issue with uh, little older homes that have that aluminum wiring in it anymore. I mean, eventually that wiring is going to be replaced. Am I correct? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, aluminum wiring. Um, it it was it, it's a. Everybody has aluminum wiring in their house. The overhead wires coming in are typically aluminum, and that's what that's what gets the house from the power lines to to the house itself. And then a lot of the bigger wires going uh, distributing for like sub panels and things like like that are also aluminum, but they're sized appropriately, and the lugs that connect them to the panels are torqued down to certain specs, and they have uh, specialized greases and things like that to make sure that the co- the connections stay tight and make good electrical contact. And corrosion-free. Right. Um, the distribution wiring in the house um, in the 70s, I believe, the, there was a lot more aluminum wiring. And typically what would happen is you, aluminum expands and contracts at a lot different rate than copper does. Sure. So if you plug a, a high draw or high amperage vacuum into an outlet, so to speak, it's going to heat and cool, heat and cool, heat and cool, and eventually it can work that screw loose on the back side and now you've got an arcing situation and you can actually cause a fire to happen. Uh, most people then would replace that faulty receptacle 
with a new one, and they might not be rated for aluminum wiring, and then you can get a, a corrosion situation where that's oh, wow. causing a whole other problem. So you got to make sure if you're dealing with aluminum wiring, there's ways around it. You look for that COAL marking, which says that that is rated for both types of wiring, and just make sure you get your lugs tight, hold the hold the the screw down where the wire meets the receptacle. Stay away from those little stab locks in the back. I don't generally like those. You always go with the screw because you can get plenty of torque on those things. Perfect. But now, yeah, there's ways of working with aluminum wiring. All right. Well, that's that's great to know because, see, I would have never guessed that. You know, I mean, uh, I would imagine I just took the outlet and go, yep, that's what it looks like, and just pick one up out right, of the shelf right. and so walk many, away. Many people do that. Uh, but if you know you have aluminum wiring in your house, tell your electrician or tell, you know, tell the, the helpful folks that, your box store or wherever you're going that you're working with aluminum wiring and they can set you up. Wow. That's great to know. That's great advice. Let's move on. How about we talk to Joe? Hey, Joe, you're up next on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Hi. I got a question about uh, the toilet stool operation. Now imagine uh, just a bowl with clear water, pull the handle, got a nice swirl and a full flush. Next time, clear water in the bowl only. Uh, pull the handle, and it makes a light swirl and no flush. Now, I've had the, the toilet seat off the floor, a three-inch pipe to a stack about six foot away. All that's clear. And I just don't understand how it can be a good, uh, you know, good uh, efficient flush, and then the next time the, the water just swirls. What's wrong? Well, uh, my first suggestion would be to flush the toilet with the toilet tank cover off and see, you know, the first time you flush it, you know, I can almost guarantee that that tank's probably going to be completely full or there should be like a marking in there saying fill line. Um, flush it the second time and see how far that water got to that point because you might be having kind of like a, a partial fill on that tank. That would be the first place I'd look. Okay, I did that. I took the lid off and... Uh no, full tank, full okay. reservoir tank of water. Flip the handle, good swirl, good flush. Next time, maybe, you know, it's just intermittent. And I was wondering, as the water comes out of the reserve tank and goes into the bowl, all those those holes, but, but I thought, well, maybe they're corroding, getting clogged up. The, the, you know, the, the stool is about 20 years old. And I thought, well, then it would work the same way all the time. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. What about, uh, does your flapper open all the way on a second yeah, flush? I've had the lid off, The looking down the reservoir, <clears throat> flapper open, stays open. It just looks like one time the water drains into the bowl at a, you know, at a certain rate, and the other times it looks like it's not draining into the bowl at the same rate. And I thought, how could this be? Well, um, it's definitely something that might need a little bit more investigation uh, i'd recommend uh, giving our office a call uh, monday morning 314-909-1800 uh, maybe setting up an appointment for me or one of our other home consultants to come out and take a look uh, because it might be a little bit more nuanced than uh, than just an, kind of an objective view you may also want to give a plumber a call just to kind of see what they might say and it could just be that you got a, a rubber gasket or something that uh when it's been sitting for a while, kind of relaxes and gets out of the way, and then once water rushes past it, it maybe gets in the way again. And so you might have to take the bowl apart or separate it from the tank to replace a gasket or a seal or something like that. Does the toilet stool have to be uh, self-vented, I mean, vented, or can it just be its own vent? Typically, a toilet 
has a trap in the you know it keeps water in it to keep the sewer gas out but that that closet flange that the toilet is attached to dumps right into the stack and then the stack is vented through the roof all right joe thanks so much for the phone call appreciate that let's move on how about we talk to gene gene you're up next here on the kmox home improvement show hello gene Yes, hello. Uh, my question is, I had a new metal roof put on my house this spring, and since that, my bathroom ceiling, the plastering, you can see little, like, dampness on it. And I never had it before. And they have come back twice, and they go up in the, in the attic, and they said there's absolutely no leak anywhere. And I've never had this before. I've had shingles all the time until this. But I never had the problem before, so I think it has to have something to do with the metal roof. And the metal roof, when they put it on, they tore off all the old shingles, and then they put, well, they put these boards, and over the top they put this stuff. It's gray, and it says 2000 Cover Pro Synthetic Roofing Underlayment. Okay. And then they put a metal roof on. So I'm, I'm thinking there's not enough... <laughs> On the deck, there's not enough, what do I want to say, insulation or something. That's all there is up there. And I used to have shingles. Did you change the color of the roof significantly? Like, did you go from, like, a black shingle to, like, a, a light-colored metal roof? No, the metal roof I had uh, on the, before I had a kind of a, well, a blue, a darker, not dark blue, but maybe medium blue shingles. But now I've got charcoal it's a darker roof. Okay. Uh, the reason I ask is because uh, darker colors help a, a roof in an attic retain more heat. And I think we are, I think you're kind of on the right path with looking at an insulation situation, but I'm not going to get too excited about the insulation at the roof itself. It's more looking at the insulation that's in the attic on, you know, right above your ceiling that would pay more attention to. Uh, it sounds like your roof was installed properly. Uh, putting those boards down, that's, that they call that lath, and that keeps the, the roofing material standing off the, orig the original roof so that water, if it does leak, drains behind that. And that synthetic underlayment is that that's your last line of defense for any kind of water penetrations. Like, should you get a separation, water gets through that steel roof or that metal roof, and it will run down that underlayment and ne not get into the house. But if you've got a con uh, an issue with moisture showing up on the bathroom ceiling, I'm, I'm going to suspect you're dealing with a condensation issue before, rather than a, a roof leak issue. Do you think that that's uh, something that possibly uh, the, the roof isn't vented properly since they put a new roof on? Do you think that possibly you know, some, of the, uh, some of the vents have been either eliminated or clogged up? That is possible. Uh, you, vented attics, well, typically you want to see some intake on the soffit side with exhaust near the ridge, but uh, gable vents and other uh, pancake vents and other methods you might see of ventilating that roof help get that condensation in the attic out. Uh, but if you've got a, like bathrooms, usually you're taking a nice hot shower, a nice long bath, you're getting a lot of, of moisture in that air, and if, you, if that attic is too cool, you might see some condensation of that water on the ceiling and it actually soaks in and starts staining. So that, that could be why maybe what's going on if the attic insulation isn't thick enough. What Have you, uh, have you had very many problems with metal roofs. Everybody says they're wonderful, and this one, they say, doesn't leak in any way, but I always had shingles, and now I'm wondering whether I should have had shingles put on. Installed correctly, a, a metal roof is an outstanding system, but it's that installed correctly uh, part. Uh, well. it's, it's definitely definitely something that uh, 
our experts could at Mosby could take a look at. Uh, if you wanted to give our office a call, 314-909-1800, uh, set something up, we can come out and take a look. But uh, without looking at it myself, I'd, I'd say if it was installed correctly, it should be a good high-durability roof that should last you know, 50 years. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Gene. Have a great day. Uh-huh, you too. Folks, it's just that easy. You want to join us? 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Josh here answering all your phone calls. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Yeah, Josh, you know, I found out the hard way on my uh, on my roof vent uh, because I'm always under the assumption that, you know, if, if it requires three, six is better. And uh, <laughs> so when I had a new roof put on, I'm like, oh, I got to have a ridge vent, got to have a ridge vent put in, you know. And uh, so put a ridge vent on. Next thing you know, I my roof is over-vented. Yeah. So I had to go up and uh, close my gable vents off. Ideally, what you're looking for is a balanced system where you have as – and if you wanted to have a little bit lopsided, more intake is better than more exhaust. Uh, but a balanced system, and if you have a gable roof, typically you're doing your intake at the soffits. So you're looking at a like a slot vent or a number of uh, you know grills or things like that spaced out uh, along the length of the of the, of the uh, soffit, paired with a larger capacity single orifice at the top of the roof, and that's where your exhaust is. And then when it's balanced, you get doesn't matter which way the wind is blowing, doesn't matter what your weather is, that attic is going to be venting as as good as it possibly can. Uh, often we see where folks have had a roofing contractor come in, slap a roof on the house, put a ridge vent on there, and they've got gable vents, but they didn't do anything with the gable vents. Right. So now they've got a, a situation where they're short-circuiting that ventilation, and you could actually, in a, in a storm, be sucking in moisture that's, that's soaking up your... Your, uh, or soaking your insulation and causing problems. Yeah, especially so. because I've blown in insulation. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. it could be... Be, be really bad, that's for sure. And if you've had insulation blown in recently and, and the, the installers uh, didn't pay attention to the where the roof comes down and meets the wall, you could have a situation where insulation has gotten into the soffit and has blocked up your air passages. So you definitely want to make sure that that isn't happening because then you could definitely get some air damming situations. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> hey, this is the K, this is the uh, Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on KMOX Saturday at your service. Josh Dunlap in from Mosby Building Arts. Greg Damon sitting in for Scott Mosby. We're going to do a little business, but we invite you to join us, 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, my friends. This is the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby taking a little time off. Greg Damon sitting in the big chair. We have Josh Dunlap in from Mosby Building Arts. He is a home consultant. What's uh, what's Scott doing? Is he looking for a new hammer or something? What is? It? That's exactly it. You nailed it. He's going out. Oh, I a, see what you did there. A new hammer. You nailed it. Uh-huh. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, everybody. We'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your bartenders and waitresses. So, hey, uh, welcome back to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. We're taking your phone calls 314-436-7900. 1-800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers to uh, get in. we got plenty of time for your phone calls today, going all the way till 1 o'clock, so plenty of time for your phone calls. Josh, I wanted to ask you, obviously, you know, it is uh, the, the temperatures are getting down. Uh, folks have kicked on their furnaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still recommend getting your furnace checked? Even though you got a high-efficiency furnace, do you still recommend coming in and getting your furnace checked every year? Oh, absolutely. Uh you definitely want to be changing your furnace filters. 
uh, that you know, most folks are using their furnace filter both for filtration of the air that in their house that they breathe, but that filter also keeps the equipment in good shape. You don't want that squirrel cage filling up with uh, pollen and whatever else is floating around in the air. You, you want to keep that that blower moving the air as quickly as possible uh, through whatever he, the in the winter time it's across your uh, your the, the heating coils. And in the wintertime or in the summertime, it's across the, the cooling coil. So we're going to get the air moving across there as quickly as possible so it pulls that heat out and gets it to where it needs to be to keep you comfortable. Well, I, well I, now I was under the assumption, obviously, I'm not a heating and cooling guy, but uh, when we had a new high-efficiency furnace put in a couple of years ago, five years ago, I guess, I guess there's no heater, uh, the... Uh, I guess it's at the core. No, it's not the core. It's the uh, exchanger, heat I guess. exchanger, yeah. Is not there anymore. Is that correct? Uh, the heat exchanger is still there. It's just buried deeper inside the furnace now, and there's actually an induced draft to where normally uh, like an 80% uh, furnace, and you can tell these because they'll have usually like you'll either be able to see, the visibly see the flame, or there's like perforations in the front where the air comes in because it needs combustion air coming sure, from absolutely. around it. Uh, High-efficiency ones, that cabinet is completely sealed up. It's pulling air from the outside, typically through a PVC pipe and then discharging the exhaust out through a different pipe. Uh, But that heat exchanger is is running kind of upside down. So it pulls the the burners are down low, and it pulls that heat up through a a maze, so to speak, so it can pull out as much of that heat as possible so that by the time the exhaust gases reach the top, they've cooled down, they're starting to condense, all the heat's out of the system. You're extracting more of that heat and putting it into the house as opposed to sending it up your flue. So, well, I was under the assumption that, uh, you know, that was one of the big things, that heat exchanger cracking, that was a huge thing for gas furnaces. Now that's really not the case so much, that that doesn't crack as much? They or Am I incorrect on my, my assumption here? It, it, well-maintained equipment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we shouldn't have a problem with, the heat, with cracked heat exchangers. Okay. Uh, there are different materials used for heat exchangers. The older ones used to be cast iron, and those were a lot more susceptible to dramatic changes in, in temperature. Uh, and they over time would would just wear out uh, the, the flame would actually erode and then you'd have you'd have some perforation happening in there uh, but really uh, if you have any kind of functionality issues where you turn the heat on and every, you, I mean you're gonna get a little bit of dust in there you're gonna hear yeah, it's smells, gonna stink for sure you're gonna have a little funny smell but if it like turns off unexpectedly or runs and runs and runs and doesn't seem to turn off you might want to get a mechanic out there to take a look at it because if you, there's lots of sensors and different controls in there to make sure that that doesn't happen. Flame sensors, rollout sensors, and things like that to make sure that everything in that box is functioning correctly. Um, they're relatively inexpensive parts, but to get a mechanic out to take a look at it, usually you're looking at a, a small service call, but uh, I just had mine done, and the folks came out, and for less than 250 bucks, I was good to go. I could sleep well at night knowing that everything's going to be good for the next few few months. Right, absolutely. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. I think that you should have your heating and air conditioning checked uh, every year when you get ready to go in season. Uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a freak about uh, no, no, that's, fire that's... <laughs> fire alarms and smoke detectors and and carbon monoxide detectors in every room of the house. I'm just unfortunately that's just the way I am, you know, and I have them in in every room. I just uh, you know, working on cars, I'm I'm very susceptible to uh, carbon monoxide because we Every every automotive technician at some point has had some sort of carbon monoxide poisoning where they had to run outside and oh, definitely. throwing up and all sorts of stuff. But uh, you know, so I'm I'm real worried about that, and that and that's one of the reasons we got the high efficiency uh, high efficiency furnace was hopefully cut down on some of that uh, some of that scare factor, I should say. Oh, definitely. 
Uh, our homes, uh, that's that's where we look for comfort, health, and safety. You know, we want to, we, we want all of those things out of out of our out of our homes. And when any one of those things is compromised, you know, it's 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 not a it's not a good situation. And carbon monoxide is a silent killer. It, it, right. Uh, carbon monoxide diffuses throughout the air. It doesn't sink down to the floor like some people might have heard that that happens. It, it no, it it's, it diffuses throughout the air evenly. So you can get a CO sensor uh, from uh, the plugs in the wall. Very very simple. Plug one of those things in. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't need, even need to be near the equipment. But that can be a good way to monitor that uh, because if that sensor goes off, usually it's going to go off at a certain set point. Where you, that's where you or, need to get out of the house. Or 3 in the morning. <laughs> Sometimes it is at 3 <laughs> in the morning, uh, unfortunately. But uh, that, that, that's when that thing goes off, you're not in a good situation. You need to get that fixed right away. No, absolutely. And that's, uh, I said, I'm kind of a freak about that. I've got them in all the rooms. Plus, I've got ones on the ceiling and ones on the floor. So uh, I just want to be I just want to be covered personally. So. Oh, yeah. I can. And I might as well throw it. You know, it is, uh, it is throwing your uh, clocks back. This tonight, so uh, oh, yes. good time to change the batteries in both the uh, carbon monoxide detectors and the fire alarms as well. Uh, definitely, and even even if you have hardwired smoke detectors, you want to get those the backup batteries uh, replaced. Um, some batteries uh, or some smoke detectors or other detection devices are using uh, like ten year uh, lithium bat integrated lithium batteries. You're not having to do that anymore. Um, but I, I I do like having that reminder of you know what roll the clock back, change batteries, change your furnace filter. Do some very simple. See, I even throw in another one: is change the batteries in your flashlight in your car. Because I know everybody's got a flashlight in their car, right? Absolutely. That's what we that's what we t- preach on the uh, KMOX Auto Show. But uh, so that's my that's my big thing: make sure the batteries in your flashlight because you never know when you're going to need them. Oh yeah, I carry. I even carry a flashlight with me every day. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, that's what it is when you work. But when you're working on stuff, that's what you're used to. So. Oh, definitely. But uh, so uh, I want to get into a little bit. We're going to take a quick break here in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about fireplaces because okay. obviously for me, I have a natural wood uh, fireplace, not a gas fireplace. I love it. I think it uh, adds a lot of ambiance to the house, and there's nothing better than I like sitting around a fire. I think it's pretty cool. So we'll, we'll get into that when we come back from break. How's that? Good deal. All right. With us is uh, Josh Dunlap. He is a home consultant with Mosby Building Arts. Greg Damon sitting in for Scott Mosby. You're listening to Helotech Foundation Home Improvement Show. We're inviting you to join us. 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. Saturday at your service here at KMOX. The Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show is on the air. You want to join us, love to have you. 314 436 7900 one 800 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. Josh Dunlap from Mosley Building Arts. He is in the house answering all your questions. I'm just here taking up space. My name is Greg Damon. You want to join us? 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Tell you what, we got a bunch of phone calls, Josh. Let's go right back to the phones. What do you say? Go for it. Let's talk to Sue. Hi, Sue. You're up next here on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Hi, Sue. Sue, going once. Sue, you got to listen to the telephone. You can't listen to the radio. All right, Sue, we're going to put you back on hold. We'll circle back around for you. Let's move on and talk to Susan. Hi, Susan, you're up next on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Hi there. How Hello. you doing? I'm doing great. What can we do for you? Okay, my question is this. Um, 
for some for quite a while now, uh, uh, off and on, I have sewer gas smell coming into like my bedroom. Is where I first started noticing it, and now I'm noticing it like if I Susan. And Susan, I you kind of you kind of cut out there after the bedroom. You kind of cut out. Okay, okay. After the bedroom, and then um, and then I've even opened up my washing machine door, and been hit with that horrible gas smell. Josh, well, any so, idea? Um, is your bedroom above the laundry room? Yes. Okay. Um, I would I would say you might have uh. Look at the floor drain if you have one in the laundry room. Typically where the laundry room is, you have a water heater and then a standpipe is nearby where the, that, that washing machine dumps the dirty water. Uh, you, you might have a situation where the trap has worn out and is either, either leaking underneath your concrete slab or uh, the, the floor drain doesn't have enough water in it. And with those, if those two things are happening, then the sewer gas can come right out of that pipe and come right into that laundry room. Do the traps, because we've uh, tried to run, make sure that we're always running water through, like, like the big bathroom. Big bathtub in our bathroom doesn't get used a lot, so we've been making sure that that gets water in it, oh, and all the, all the drains get water. But So you talk about a, a trap. Is it something that might need to be replaced? It's, it's possible. Uh, so like, like the... The drain in your bathtub, the the drain in your house is there's a, the floor drain in the basement floor, uh, is, is also has a trap with it, and that needs to have water in it as well. And, and some, sometimes that can get overlooked. Um, so just take a three gallon bucket, dump some water down that drain, that fills that trap right back up. The standpipe uh, that the washing machine dumps into, that one also has a trap on it. But usually the washing machine water keeps that one filled. But if if you notice that the, you open up the washing machine and you got sewer gas in that area, you, you might have that standpipe might be something worth looking at. The other thing to consider is the discharge hose or the filter of your washing machine might be uh, filled up with material and that's starting to, to decompose and that might be causing a part of the problem. This might be your washing machine and not, maybe not the plumbing at all. Okay, so, okay. So down in the basement, you said to take a... a couple gallons of water and pour it down into the uh the floor drain the floor drain yep in in your laundry room not in the basement well wherever your wherever your floor drain is and typically it's in your laundry room or where wherever the water source is near near your water source well the laundry room is uh is right off of the kitchen okay i'd say uh Uh, it, your best bet might is to get someone out there to take a look at it. Uh, any of us at Mosby would be more than happy to come out and take a look. Uh, you can give us a call, okay. 314-909-1800, or a uh, plumber. Maybe, uh, maybe okay. a good, also a good call. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate your help. Thank you. You're Thanks, Susan. Thank appreciate you. the phone call. Let's move on and uh, try to sneak another one in here. Let's talk to uh, Liz. Hi, Liz. You're up next here on the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Hi, I've had four estimates uh, for a replacement of a furnace. Uh, I have a furnace right now, and two of the uh, companies told me that there really was no need to replace it now. I've had it thoroughly cleaned. But 
if I replace it, I am not going to replace it with a high-efficiency one. I'm going to replace it with a furnace that is similar to the ones I have. And one of the companies said that I probably should replace the breakers for the furnace um, to, as I understand, a lesser amount because the breakers I have now might not uh, fail if the new furnace, if something happens. I didn't quite understand that. Does that make any sense to you, what I'm trying to explain? Yes, it does. Uh, regardless of the efficiency of, of the appliance, and I, I will classify like, like furnaces and water heaters as appliances, uh, you want to make sure that the breaker that those are attached to is, ra- is rated for, for that appliance. And if the furnace you have now, let's say it's... Uh, it, it needs 30 amps, a 30 amp breaker. Uh, you don't want to put it on a 40 amp breaker because it could get into a situation where it has a fault, and then that 40 amp breaker might not trip. So you want to right make sure exactly. that it's, it's rated uh, close to what the manufacturer for that appliance wants. So th- that's I understood it, but only one out of the four companies mentioned that. So. Um, well, I'll that, look into it a little more clearly if I call one or the other ones back. I would say uh, ask the other ask the other bids why they wouldn't have brought that up. Uh, there's lots of different approaches to it, and some guys might not mention it at all, and some guys go out of their way to make sure they go through excruciating detail of what they have. But I would say any time you're you're replacing equipment, you want to you come want to make sure that all the connections you have are up to snuff, and the electrical connections are certainly high on that list. Perfect. That, that answers my question. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Liz. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. Let's try to sneak one quick one in here if we can. Uh, we'll go back to Sue. Sue, are you there this time? Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Can you make it really quick for me? Yes. Uh, I just had my uh, my chimney cleaned out by a chimney cleaner guy because I hadn't used it in so long. And I'm going to in- install a- an electrical insert or have somebody do it. Uh, is there anything special I need to do to have that installed besides having somebody that's qualified? That is the biggest step right there is having somebody qualified to do it. That qualification means they're going to cover all the bases to make sure that it's done and done right. Does that make sense for you? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sue. Appreciate the phone call. And again, folks, just that easy, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Well, Josh, here we are. We're in the home stretch of the first hour. We've got a whole other hour to go. How's it going for you? This is a blast. I'm All having, right. I'm having fun. <laughs> Perfect. we got all sorts of stuff to go over uh, the second hour as well. We invite you to join us, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Josh Dunlop in from Mosley Building Arts answering all your questions. Greg Damon sitting here. we got news coming up in just a few scant seconds. Don't forget Blues Hockey tonight also on KMOX. Stick around. We'll be back. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. Hour number two here on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. Greg Damon sitting in for Scott Mosby. You know I can't help you with your questions. That's why Josh Dunlop's here from Mosby Building Arts. He's a home consultant. He's going to answer each and every question for you. We'd love for you to join us. What's that number you're asking? Let me give it to you. 
or 1-800-925-1120. Well, Josh, first time, first hour already in the books. How easy was that? It was it was great. <laughs> I wouldn't right. necessarily call it easy, but because you never know what you're going to get. But I, that's I'm, right. I'm having a good time, and we're getting some good answers. Well, just questions. like you said off the air, you know, you never know what you're getting when you walk up to somebody's house. It's the same same that's kind exactly of deal. Right. So, all right, let's go back to phones. We had some folks that were uh, that were waiting on hold patiently. Let's talk to Gary. Hi, Gary. You're up next here on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I've got a um, a heat pump system at my house. Um, I'm got an electric furnace i guess is what is what uh my heat source uh or does it come from the outside unit um i've just noticed that since we've turned the heat on this season it's not as warm as it should be okay uh yeah a heat pump it, it does take heat from the outside it's basically an air conditioner running in reverse uh and and then the the electric part of that is Regardless of what system you, you go with, uh, in your case, electric, uh, those systems will have supplemental heat to where the if the set point isn't being reached, those heat pads will turn on if, in, if you, in your case for electric uh, or natural gas, a burner will fire up to, to give it that little extra oomph. Uh, if you're not getting the heat out of it that you're, you're expecting, you might have had a, a heat pad go bad or possibly a fuse blown or something like that. I'd get a mechanic out there to take a look at it, and it should hopefully be a relatively uh, easy fix. Well, I know we had a technician out there early uh, in the AC season to, uh, to do an, uh, a repair on the uh, air conditioning portion of that, and um, uh, the AC worked fine afterwards, and I thought he checked the furnace area and, and I guess the heat exchange area and everything was fine there, but uh, yeah, just since the uh, since the heat has been turned on, it just it's not right. So okay, well, in in a heat pump system, the only exchanger is is a coil on the inside, just like the the normal air conditioning coil. And there's usually a pad for electric. There's a a pad that attaches to the side of the cabinet. So there's no like a heat exchanger like you would have in a furnace. And those things okay. they are electric. They're usually fused. There's usually two, maybe three of them, uh, depending on the size of your equipment. And, you know, it could also have a control board issue where uh, a little bit of a capacitor has gone out or something like that. You may have actually another fault that's not turning that system on when you need it. But uh, it should be something relatively easy that any, any technician can take care of. Now, is that capacitor, is that on the outside unit? Uh, <laughs> I don't for know. Some reason, <laughs> for some reason, I'm thinking that, that that was the item that got replaced on the outside unit along with a... Um, with a uh, a new fan motor, uh, uh, run but, run uh, and start capacitors on motors do typically uh, you'll you'll see those things fail and they are relatively easy to replace so you don't have to replace the entire motor. Uh, the capacitors that I had in mind are more like those small electronics one that on the circuit board to where they, those things will pop and and then they don't do their job and so, and stuff doesn't turn on in, in in the right order. Yeah, this this house was built originally in '79 and I'm I'd, I'd be surprised if this is the original units i mean they wouldn't last that long would they uh hard to say uh i've i've had a heating and cooling equipment that i've seen uh the, <laughs> i have kind of like a little uh trophy room so to speak of, of pictures of the oldest equipment that i've I've seen and i've seen uh, uh heating 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 and cooling equipment from the turn of the century still up and running still doing their wow. job uh, <laughs> probably not as efficient. Probably not as efficient. <laughs> definitely not as efficient. Uh, gotcha. But anytime you get you're getting electronics involved, 
Uh, there's always going to be fail-safes, and those pads won't turn on for unless certain conditions are met. And if you might have a sensor out, you might have just a bad connection or possibly even a fuse. Uh, and, and usually it's when those systems turn on that you see that kind of stuff happen is they'll, they'll get that first cycle go on and then, then the kind of all the bugs get worked out after, after a few minutes. And if not, you need to get a tech out there. So all the right. fuses, are they, are they easily accessible to where I could check them? Yeah, actually, uh, you should be able to pull off the front plates or front covers of your, your furnace and you should see a electronics board uh, like a PCB with a bunch of stuff sticking on it, and just look for like an automotive type fuse or a, a round glass fuse, and you can just inspect them with a flashlight. And if you see the the, the gray uh, burn marks, then it, uh, that's your culprit. All right, hey Gary, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate that. Let's move on and talk to David. Hi, David. You're up next here on the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Well, thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I have a condo, and it faces the front of it faces southwest. And uh, I replaced the windows up uh, in the front, uh, upstairs and downstairs. With the old window, uh, I used to wake up this type of weather, and I'd have moisture on the inside on the upper sash. Now that I have the new windows, I have moisture outside on the upper sash. Is, is there any problems? The short answer is not necessarily, but that may not be the answer you're looking for. Uh, <laughs> condensation uh, de- generally happens when you have a, a, a large temperature differential and moisture. And if you have, if your windows are cold from the inside and you're having outside air condense on the windows, I wouldn't get too excited about it. But if if it if the temperatures outside are dropping and you're seeing condensation on the inside of the windows. I would definitely look at what your your relative humidity is on the inside of the house because you might want to you might have a situation where your heating and cooling equipment isn't working quite right and you might have a, have a moisture uh, an impending moisture problem. Uh, if when it's and you often see that in like bathrooms and uh, and kitchens where there's a lot of moisture, moisture being generated. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, that would I would think would be normal uh, for the old windows because they leaked, but the new windows. The moisture is on the outside instead of inside. Well, uh, moisture on the outside is that's kind of where moisture needs to be, unless you're talking okay. about the outside, or like if it's inside the glass, like if you have a, a two pane window, and when it's inside the window, that's not a good place for it to be either. But if it's outside, right. like out, outside, that's I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Um, if you do see condensation, it's really because that surface is getting cold. And that's causing the moisture to drop out of the air and, and, and condense on that surface. Why it's getting cold, um, there's a number of things that could be going on. Well, I was just kind of surprised to see it. It just, you know, it was opposite that way when I had the old windows, and now I got the new ones in there on. It's on the outside. So if that sounds pretty normal, then I'll just live with it. Uh, it it's not super normal, but if the moisture's on the outside, it's less of a concern, I guess is what I'd say. Okay. All right. well, I'll keep an eye on it. Every morning I wake up, I'll see it. Good All deal. Right. Give us a call if you need help. Thanks, David. All right. Thank you. Bye. Let's sneak in one more. Let's talk to Dot. Hi, Dot. You're up next on the Home Improvement Show. Yes. I was calling about a toilet. I have the one that you're supposed to wave your hands over and it's supposed to flush. Mm-hmm. We've been having this for over about three years now, and they keep sending us parts when we tell them it just automatic flushes constantly, and we have to take the toilet lid off. Now, the last uh, uh, six months, seven months, I just completely took the toilet lid off altogether, 
and it doesn't flush. It flushes only when you wave your hands on it. And then we put the lid back on, and it'll start all over again, just constantly flushing. Well, uh, that sounds to me like you might have an electrical issue. Uh, that sensor is, is it could be getting exposed to moisture and giving it a false reading or something like that. And I, I'm not overly uh, glad to hear that the manufacturers just keep sending you parts because they might, if, the, if they're not fixing the parts, then they might just be sending you the same problem over and over and over. Um, yeah, well, they were giving us new parts. That's what they do. They give us the whole new parts, and we put, you know, put it on and do it again, and it uh, it happens all over again. We keep calling them, and we quit calling them because they just keep sending us more parts. Well, and unfortunately, I think you might be in a situation where they they may have a little bit of a de- defect defect in in their in their system that they're really doesn't seem to be uh, too eager to fix, and they just keep sending you parts, and hopefully, maybe that you'll, you'll go away. Uh, I don't have a good solution for you in that regard. Uh, your, your only recourse really is to uh, either replace it with a, someone else's technology or go back to a, 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 a conventional flusher or c- keep keep uh, hounding that the manufacturer. Well, do, uh, would they be responsible for giving us a whole new tank? Just a tank? Because that, you, that's be, what you have to do. Yeah, that'd be something you'd have to talk to them about. Yeah, if if they be, if it was like a whole kit, possibly, but if they're just selling the the flusher, then probably not. Okay. All right. No, it's a whole kit. If we when we bought it, I don't think they even make them anymore. Now I'm just wondering if they do. Well, unfortunately, there might be a good reason for that. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. Then we we jumped into that one, right? Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Dot. Hey, thank you. Right. Appreciate You're welcome. it. Bye. Uh, Josh, do you think possibly it could be a, a lighting issue in their bathroom? Because I've seen it to where, much like a garage door opener, you know, when the sun hits that automatic garage door opener, it won't let your garage door shut. If it, if it, if the light kind of breaks that and they can't, the beams can't see each other, it doesn't work. I mean, do you it, think it could it, be something like that? Possibly. I would need to know more about the toilet. Sure. Of uh, a flusher technology, what they're using. If they're, uh, they could be a static field sensor. It could be optical, where it's looking for like a, a beam change or light intensity change. Um, in that, in that case, it, it could be. Uh, an issue, uh, especially with like LED lighting. Uh, LEDs, even though our eyes don't pick it up, do flicker, and that's that that can actually interact with certain sensors in some in some cases. That that might be the possibility where changing the light bulb back to an incandescent or a compact fluorescent might take that problem away. It's certainly a very easy thing to find out. Um, but if they keep sending out the same thing, uh, kind of hard to kind of hard to say. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Hey, we are due a break here on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Josh Dunlop in from uh, Mosby Building Arts. Greg Damon sitting in for Scott Mosby. we got to do a little business. We'd love for you to join us, though. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Tuesday is Election Day. Make sure you vote. Then, following Blues Hockey, tune to King OX for Decision 2018. It's complete midterm election coverage with John Hancock, Michael Kelly, and Ryan Recker, and the King OX News Team. Decision 2018. The results from News Radio 1120. King OX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on King OX. 12.22 is the time here in the heart of Mid-America. This is the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Greg Damon and also Josh Dunlap sitting in, answering all your questions. I shouldn't say I'm answering your questions. You know I can't help you with that. 
But Josh is here. He's from Mosley Building Arts answering all your questions. Here's the number, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Going all the way till 1 o'clock today and uh, having some fun here on the show. Josh, you having fun today? I am having fun. This is this is great. This is a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's go and talk back. Uh, let, me, let me try to restart that again. Let's go to the phones and talk to Gary. Hey, Gary, guess what? You're up next here on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Hi, Gary. Gary, you're there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. That's all right. You got to listen to the phone. Don't listen to the radio, okay? I'm doing that. Okay. Yeah, because uh, there's a delay on the radio, so. All right. I have a question about my replacing the filter in my refrigerator, and that I did. I just did that with a new one, but now I can't get any water out of the filtering system on the, on the uh, refrigerator. Now, there was a red light that did show on the uh, refrigerator at the water uh, indicator, and I pushed it like two or three times, and then it went away, and now it's no light there. So I figured I got it reset. So maybe I didn't reset it right or something. I don't know. But I can't get water out of my filter, uh, my filtering system through the refrigerator. Okay. And uh, I'm a little puzzled what to do. Somebody told me once that sometimes the line freezes up. And if the line freezes up, I'm just wondering how to thaw it or where is it at or should I move food around in the freezer or, you know, what, what's the, what checklist do I follow? Uh, the first thing I would do is make sure that you have the right filter and that it's installed correctly. Uh, sometimes uh, you get a, you get a, a original equipment manufacturer will have one filter and then there's aftermarket ones and they might not be exactly compatible. That you know, so you might try getting the name brand one uh, if you if you have an aftermarket one. That'd be the first thing I'd look at. Can you just can't you just remove that filter and see if the water would flow then? It, depend, like it depends on it depends on the refrigerator. Some of them will the the filtration is uh, in line as opposed to it has to it, where it has to run through the filter to go out uh, as opposed to bypassing it. Uh, other ones you can it doesn't matter if the filter's there or not. Uh, if you have any kind of like our, our refrigerators and all of our appliances are getting more sophisticated these days. And you, you may have a, a reset, or like you said, where you have to turn the light off, and there may actually be a solenoid or something controlling that, turning that on. That might not be functioning, so there could be an electrical issue. Uh, but if you do, like the, the freezing thing, that, that is possible as well. Uh, typically, you look in the back of the refrigerator or, or somewhere where you have, there'll be like a, a, a bottle or some other container. Uh, it's not very big. Uh, Two-liter bottle sizes would be, would be a large size. Of, you know, it's usually behind a panel of some kind. And you can, you'll see where that is, and you can maybe look at it and see if it's freezing up or maybe it has some gunk in the line or something. Uh, but really the only way to defrost it is to kind of defrost the entire refrigerator, um, varying degrees of serviceability of different appliances. I'm not up to speed on every single one, uh, but, but that's a kind of a guaranteed way to kind of make sure that it does get defrosted is to defrost the entire entire appliance. Well, this, is about the fourth, this is about the fourth time I've changed a filter on a refrigerator. Okay. Never had, never had an issue with it. And that's why it kind of uh, threw me a curve a little bit. Somebody said maybe the filter is defective and uh, that, you know, that could be something too. Uh, well, f- um, filters are pretty pump- dumb technology to where you're just passing water through a media. Uh, once that's what I would think. How old is the refrigerator? Oh, it could be uh, ten or twelve years old. Well, you, it's possible that you might have maybe uh, a, a bad O-ring that when that 
filtered, made it up at one point. Uh, the O-ring was nice and supple and and it was, it was flexible you. enough, and, and it could have broken up, and you may actually have a piece of debris in the line. Could have kinked it, it, when you screwed it, when they screwed it in. It that could, that's also a possibility. Okay, I'll take the filter out again, and then look at that, and then try to re re uh, install it. There you go. And uh, thanks again for your help. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate Bye. that. We could have used the old cable adage. Did you try to unplug it and then plug it back in? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the way to go. Let's talk to Stu. Hey, Stu, guess what? You're up next here on the KMOX Home hey. Improvement Show. Hey, good early afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Um, we're going away for uh, about three months from mid-December to mid-March, and uh, just wanted to know what uh, we should do to kind of winterize the house uh we're on a well system do i turn the well off uh do i just shut the water off to the house do i not do anything uh well we've had the hvac uh just recently serviced so we're comfortable with that setting the thermostat down to around 60 but what do you think well you're hitting hitting all the the usual suspects there uh the hvac system i definitely wouldn't turn those off i'd put them put them at a low temperature that just keep air moving through the house because you what you don't want to have happen is you don't want moisture to accumulate in there, and so right. you, you want to keep keep that system running. Uh, open up bedroom doors and, and just make sure all your vents are open and things like that. Change your furnace filter, uh, even though you're not going to be in there. Uh, that's that's definitely had a good advice on the HVAC. On the water, uh, if you're going to shut the water off, uh, go ahead and open the taps and kind of drain the lines out, because uh, otherwise that stale water can get in there and can cause some tr- cause some problems. Um, or if you have any kind of water filtration or softener system, and you can keep the, keep everything charged and just uh, leave all that kind of stuff wet. Uh, electrical, you shouldn't have to do much. Um, if if anything, if if you're if you feel that the the property is secure and all that, you don't think anybody's going to be trying to get in. Uh, just make sure doors and windows are locked and secured um, and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's really kind of all you have to do. Yeah, I was more concerned, I guess, about the um, the the well system. Do I just turn the circuit breaker off in, in the house or just leave it up and uh, running and just turn the water line off to the house and then uh, drain uh, the, the lines like you say. I would talk to the, your, your, do you, did you have somebody put the well in it or somebody comes out and regularly services it? No, this was a well, the, the house is, uh, I assume the well went in in 1988, 89 when the house was built and we're the third owner. So I really don't, you know, have any, background on on who put it all in but uh um i i don't know i just uh you know i've heard several uh you know courses of action and uh i just didn't know which would be the best way to go to just leave it on and just go with the flow or so to speak generally, no pun intended. my generally i i don't think there's anything wrong with leaving it on or leaving it off because most of the time those well pumps will turn on when there's a call for water so um, there is, whether you're home or not, if there's no call for water, it's just going to be sitting idle anyway. Turning the breaker off would prevent it from turning on should something happen, which might be a good idea if you, you know, a line would hap- happen to freeze or something. You don't want that pump to just be pushing that water out. So it's kind of a little bit added to a bit of line of defense if something should happen. So Yeah. So I, I, think, I, I think what I'm going to do is just turn the water off to the from the – well to the house, leave the circuit breaker on, and then uh, drain the lines. That sounds kind of reasonable to me. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's, that okay. sounds good, Sue. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
Thank Let's you. sneak in one more. How about we talk to Keith? Hi, Keith. Keith you're up you're next here on the KMOX Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Oh, hi. Um, I had a question about whole house generators. Okay. My house is totally electric, and I was wondering, is it best to go with, uh, I heard they have a diesel one or like a propane one. I don't know what would be the best. Uh, when uh, what it I, comes to generators, uh, selecting your fuel source really comes down to, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with having that backup uh, power source? Uh, diesel is, you, you can get a good long uh, high capacity generator out of it, uh, but then you have to worry about fuel storage. Uh, propane, same deal. The fuel storage is a little bit easier because you have, can ha have a standalone tank. Natural gas, a lot of people go with natural gas if they have it to their house because then you have virtually an unlimited supply as long as uh, Spires or whoever your your gas provider uh, is is uh, pushing gas to you. Um, it it kind of comes down to you know, what are you hoping to accomplish and what do you what how does it factor into your plan with with that generator? Would would uh, I just want to. I'm tired of every time the power goes out or something, you know, we end up losing our stuff and our mm -hmm. freezer. And I just want to kind of keep the freezer going or the heat on if we need it. And I understand. Okay. Um, I generally folks will pick a generator that is using the same fuel source that is in their area. So if you've got natural gas in the area or you've got a good propane uh, supplier in the area to go with what is readily available, uh, that way you can easily get service at a very competitive rate. Otherwise, if you're dealing with diesel, typically, and even with diesel, you can you can have someone bring that that oil to your house, um, or you're you're having to transport it and store it yourself. And then, and then it, it's a matter, matter of, of how long do you want the generator to run and how much fuel do you have to run it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate, Appreciate the phone, the phone call. call. Folks, again, just that easy. Four three six seven nine hundred one eight hundred nine two five. 1120. Josh, we got a little do a little bit of business, but we'll be back with more of the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. KMOX's Pints and Politics returns to Llewellyn's Pub in Webster Groves this coming Monday, midterm eve. John Hancock and Michael Kelly will once again serve as masters of mediocre political trivia. Mark Reardon will be on site with a team playing along. Trivia starts at 7 p.m., so grab your friends and enjoy an evening out. The trivia is free. Prizing will be awarded for first, second, and third place. We'll see you Monday for KMOX's Pints and Politics at Llewellyn's Pub in Webster Groves. Welcome back to the Helotech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 1237 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. Josh Dunlap in for Mosby Building Arts. Greg Damon sitting in as well. Answering all your questions, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers if you want to get on. Please uh, give us a call. We'll answer all your questions. Or I should say Josh is going to answer all your questions. I'm just going to sit here and laugh. That's because that's what I do. But uh, Josh is going to Josh is going to handle everyone. Josh, we had a phone caller that called in uh, during the break, and I thought he made a couple good points. Number one, if you're going to use a diesel generator, make sure you put some sort of uh, stabilizer in the fuel because it's not going to run all the time. 
And it's much like your lawnmower or anything else. If that fuel gels up, well, it's going to cost a lot of money to get it repaired. 250 gallons of gelled fuel will get you nowhere. That's yeah, exactly no right. doubt about that. <laughs> get, get you a big bill for cleaning it out That's, and everything else. Yes, it will. Uh, and then the other thing was uh, he mentioned about turning off your water heater while you're gone. Now, I, I don't know if I'm a big proponent, personally for me, a big proponent of that. I mean, I'll turn it down all the way. Most water heaters, they have a vacation mode uh, on them. They do, uh, it, and it really comes down to you know if if three months is all you're going to be gone, and if you, if your water heater has a problem starting up, um, and when you come back, if you want hot water or any kind of hot water, then then you might want to go ahead and leave it on. Uh, getting it storage type water heaters are getting better and better at energy efficiency, so they're holding on to the heat longer, but they also are some of the least efficient ways to, to store heated water. Whereas a tankless, it wouldn't matter if it was on or off. Because it's on demand, uh, but if you have a storage type water heater, that might be a good idea to, to go ahead and turn it down, so that when you do come back, you're not having to wait four hours for or a really long time sure. for that wa- that warm water to come back, so you can take a shower and relax and get. <laughs> get <laughs> yeah, no, when I I know I'm flying all day. There's nothing better than coming home and taking a shower. That's oh, for yeah, sure. <laughs> coming home and taking a cold shower is no no fun at all. Exactly. Uh, so that would be the only argument that I would have for leaving that water heater on, um, unless there's mechanically. You know, it, it, you may have a problem restarting it. Um, if, if if you turn it off completely and then the pilot light goes out, you shut the gas off. Cause, I mean, at least leave the pilot light on and turning it down usually gets that done. Let's talk a little about uh, tankless water heaters. So this is something that, that really intrigues me. Uh, we My water heater is probably about seven years old now, I guess. And uh, at that time, I was thinking about a tankless water heater. Uh, what What's your thoughts on it? Do you think that, that, that it's worth it? I have two teenagers that you know, like to take a lot of showers. So do you like them to take short showers? Go with tankless. <laughs> uh, little tongue in cheek there. Uh, really, it comes down to uh, when when folks start having a conversation about what type of water heaters they want, I always ask, what are you trying to accomplish? Who's using it? When do you need your water? And how hot do you have, want your water? Because one tankless water heater of, you know, one certain type may not be able to deliver the needs of a family of four or a family of six at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, a family of two, maybe no problem. Uh, commonly, we see a storage type water heater supplemented with a tankless, where they'll either be run in parallel or, or in series, sure. so that when you have that high demand period, you have a big mass of water there to serve that. But then it goes down into an idle mode when no one's there during during the day. Uh, it, there's it's an excellent tool to have in the toolbox. Uh, but it's made. It's not necessarily needs to be the only tool. So, and you can you can have two tankless water heaters so that uh, one does like a preheat and then another one comes in and, and finishes it off because uh, it depends on your the temperature of your incoming water. And in Missouri, typically our water is coming in around 50, 55 degrees, and a tankless water heater is only really going to give it maybe a 30 to 40 degree bump. And so you, now you're no only at 80 or 90 degrees, and you want 120 shower. Now you need to need to give it a little bit of an extra kick. So you're looking at running it through a second tankless water heater to, to bring it up to that temperature that you want. Wow! See, I didn't know that. That that makes it that makes it a, a right there that temperature difference to me. That makes it really again. This is for me personally not not worth it with my family of four. Yeah, and then, and then it's finding the right solution for your family and your family's needs. Exactly. So. Exactly. I'll tell you what, Josh. Let's take our last time out. We come back. Let's uh, talk a little fireplaces. I want to talk about that earlier. And uh, we'll finish up the show. How's that? Sounds awesome. All right. Josh Dunlap in from Mosley Building Arts. Greg Damon as well. This is the KMOX Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service. Let's go, Blues! 
Hey folks, Tris Kerber here, and the Blues drop the puck tonight at Enterprise Center. The Blues host the Minnesota Wild. It's a 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock face-up right here on KMOX. Attention metro area high school principals and counselors. Submit your nomination now for the KMOX Southeast Missouri State University Student of Achievement Program. Log on to KMOX.com to nominate one junior level high school student who deserves recognition for their achievements in academics, sports, community service, and leadership. The KMOX Southeast Missouri State University Student of Achievement Program, produced in partnership with Southeast Missouri State University and News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. Final laps here on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show on KMOX here at a Saturday at your service. And uh, 1245 is your time. Greg Damon sitting in for Scott Mosby, but we have Josh Dunlap. He's answering all your questions here from Mosby Building Arts. If you want to join us, we do have a few more minutes. 314 314- 436-7900-1800-925-1120. Josh, what do we say? We talked to Eric. He's got uh, some experience with a tankless water heater. Go for it. Hi, Eric. You're up next. Hey, Josh. Hey, Greg. Eric. Um, we uh, got a, a tankless water heater installed about three or four months ago, um, and it definitely hasn't had any problem heating up to that 120, 140-degree level at this point yet. Um, and I know it's going to get a little colder before it gets warmer, but uh, so far so good. Um, and we've also been enjoying some nice reduction in our uh, gas bill. It's, that's good to hear. It sounds like you worked with a, a, a qualified installer who was able to, to size the equipment for your, for your needs, and, and it, they seem to hit that nail on the head. Now, good, good Eric, is, it, is that all electric or is it gas too? Uh, it's gas. So the tankless water heater is gas and you save money on your gas bill? Yes. Boy, I may be all over that like a bum on a bologna sandwich. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to have to check into that. <laughs> hey, Eric, I appreciate your phone call. Thanks for your input. Thank you. All right. That's what it is. When Josh, these listeners at KMOX, they've got answers as well. So it's hey. always always great to uh, to draw on the home base as well. I, I'm a sponge for, for knowledge. I always seek out the guidance of experts smarter than I am. And there's Me too. never wrong answers. That's why I love doing this show because oh, everybody yeah. that comes in from Mosby is way smarter than I am. And I can I, ask I, dumb I'm, questions. So. I'm, <laughs> Not done learning, and that's for sure. <laughs> hey, I want to talk a little about fireplaces. We kind of touched on furnaces and folks firing up their furnaces. Well, yeah. for me personally, I love a wood-burning fireplace. Uh, I know a lot of folks replace theirs with gas. I, I like that, you know, wood-burning fireplace. I like the smell. I like seeing the flames. I like putting the wood on the fire. You know, I, I like the whole the whole thing about it. You like the splitting the wood? You like carrying the wood? No, no. See, <laughs> I, buy, like the I buy the wood already split. So. <laughs> That's a whole other show. We can get into that. Oh, sure. Big Jimmy Rollette, by the way. That's a guy that he'll even stack it for you. Hey, there you go. So, yeah. you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I really like that. My wife and I have talked about possibly putting a gas exchange, you know, putting a gas uh, fireplace in. But I, I think for us, we we really like that right now. Um, but I do have uh, kind of a, um, a contest. I shouldn't say a contest. It's not. But my good friend who also has a wood-burning fireplace He's never had his fireplace uh, cleaned or inspected. I say, you know what? I try to do mine every year just to be on the safe side. I want I want to get your thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are, uh, like I said earlier, your home is where you're finding your comfort, your health, and your safety. And uh, a fireplace is one of those places where you need to be mindful of that. Uh, it, it 
some a knowledgeable person or not, you know someone who knows how, what a fireplace is doing and how a fireplace works can maybe skate a little bit around the edges, but you know for the for the casual player at home, uh, you you might want to get someone out there on a regular basis. May, that doesn't necessarily have to be every single year, but someone who knows what they're doing and knows what they're looking at to take a look at the flue, the liner, the smoke shelf, and all the little moving pieces and. Of, of your fireplace, make sure that it's it's up to snuff and functioning properly because you don't want to have a house fire. No, my uh, my grandfather's house actually had a uh, bird's nest in the chimney. They didn't know it. They fired up the fireplace and caught the house on fire. Yeah, and you have situations like that. You also have uh, building up of, of creosote and other kind of, of materials on the inside of the flue that could uh, cause a chimney fire, which is, is kind of a runaway situation that is, is never any good. Um but but then that comes in understanding what woods are okay to burn and and if you if you're getting a lot of pine or something like that you can go ahead and burn pine but you don't want to burn all pine kind of thing you want to supplement that with some hardwoods and most of the hardwoods that you're buying or are getting are going to be like a hickory or an oak or something like that very low on on the on the, the creosote buildup uh, and if that's all that your your friend is burning then he might be fine and if he's able to stick a flashlight up there and see that his flue's in good shape. And he knows what he's looking at, then he might be he might be fine not having a, a technician come out and, and service it. Well, again, you know, I'm deathly scared of the whole fire issue. We already covered that, but uh, you know, that's why I, I I just want somebody to come out to be a professional to uh, to look at it. And if there is damage or if there is dirt that or creosote buildup, that they remove that. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I seeking the expertise of others is is a, always a good advice. Um, but it you know maybe the if you're a chimney sweep and that's your line of business, then you can kind of get away from it. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, <laughs> Possibly. Uh, but I, yeah, I've, I've always had my fireplace inspected. Uh, I do it every two years. Okay. So, and that's, that's, you know, it also depends on how often you're using it. So most folks, they get a nice roaring fire for Christmas and yeah, opening we, presents and things like that. And We do about 10 a year, maybe. Yeah. So it, it comes down to how often you're using it and how dirty it can get and, uh, and what you're hoping to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good advice. Uh, something else that we kind of touched on, We, you know, we, we opened the show, we talked about, uh, you know, hey, uh, winter is really coming, the temperatures have really dropped. I think one thing that, that many folks overlook until it rains is their sump pump system. Um, and those sump pumps go out. I mean, they, they do. do they, they do break. They, you know, the float may break or may not turn on, and this is something that should be tested. I, I got to test you. I, I, I test mine about every three months. So that's good. That's that's more than most people do. Uh, I've been in homes where people have had a, a sump pump installed 15 years ago, and they've never looked at it, never inspected it, and well, they don't even know if it's still in there. Um, but it's it is a uh, it's 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 a device whose role it is to protect your investment in your house. And you know, water is the, one of the quickest ways to compromise that investment. And getting water in a basement is never a good thing. Um, the sump pump is relatively inexpensive, all things considered, for what it can do. Uh, it is relatively easy to fix. You can get a, a bucket, a garden hose or something like that, dump some water in there, fill that thing up, see if it kicks on, or just reach down and activate the switch yourself and see if that pump kicks on. Uh, the Most sump pumps will have a check valve installed somewhere on the point, uh, and that's that's a passive thing. It's usually like a rubber flapper on the inside. And during that test, if you... They say bring the water level up to a certain point that the pump runs, and then the, it discharges the water. And then that water comes back. You might want to look at your your uh, the uh, check valve is is not holding that water. And really, all it's doing is keeping that column of water up above the pump 
so that it doesn't just keep filling up the the uh, the sump pit. No, I totally understand that. Uh, also, we got just about uh, about three minutes here. Uh, what about a battery backup system? This is something we kind of talked off air. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in uh, St. Charles County, where most of the uh, electric lines are underground. We rarely lose power. Doesn't I mean that's not a hundred percent, but we rarely lose power. Uh, but I would think that a battery backup system or something like that is probably a pretty good idea for some folks. It is a, a, an excellent idea for some folks, and it really does uh, comes down to, again, like I said, what do you hope to accomplish and what situation do you think you're going to be in. Uh, a battery backup is can generally, in a power loss situation, can keep a smaller pump running or may, perhaps maybe the only pump running for a given amount of time for a certain amount of you know, head height and all, all the other mechanics that are going into uh, how that pump's going to perform. Uh, buy you some time at least to get a generator on site if need be or wait for the power to come back on uh, because that battery is going to it's going to run down and it's going to wear out after maybe a handful well, of hours and that's exact well I, also over time much like your automotive car battery you know that battery is going to have to be replaced you're going to use mm-hmm. a deep cycle battery like a marine battery yep. then and you're going to have to have some sort of charging mechanism for that battery yes and there's electronics involved with that and even maintaining the battery, if you've got a dry cell where it's a sealed a sealed battery, uh, or it's an, a wet cell, and you have to make sure that the water the fluid level on the inside is, there, is at the right level, so your your cells are charging properly. The the electronics and it, there's more there for you to maintain, uh, but it is a, a great tool to have if if you're concerned about. Uh, your 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 basement flooding due to water coming in. Right. If you got a finished basement, boy, it's just that it, it's <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's yeah. Well, especially <laughs> yeah. In my luck, anyway, it would be I could build a swimming pool downstairs. That's what would happen if I had a finished basement in my basement. That's a that's a basement conversion we haven't done yet. Well, <laughs> see, I'm an idea man on top of it. Well, go. Josh, I want to thanks thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us here today on the uh, KMOX Home Improvement Show. Uh, first time on on the air with us, and uh, I think you did an excellent job. Yeah, Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. I'd love to do it again. All right, well, fantastic. Uh, you, you'll have to talk to Scott about that. So, <laughs> uh, Anyway, for folks uh, playing the home game and the home improvement show and want to get a hold of Mosley Building Arts, where can they go? Uh, the best way is to give us a call at 314-909-1800. For the technical savvy, you can reach out on our website at www.callmosby.com. That's the two best ways to get a hold of us. All right. Well, fantastic. Josh, again, uh, you did an excellent job. And uh, for folks that uh, want questions answered, just give them a call or send them an email, and they'll be more than happy to do that as well. This is Greg Damon. I'll be back later today with the uh, auto show at 5 o'clock. Don't forget, we got blues hockey coming up tonight as well. Alex Ferrari will be having the pregame show on top of that. And uh, it's going to be all sorts of great programming today here on KMOX. We'll see you next time, folks. Thanks so much.